Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, hello there. Welcome. Uh, wow. I never said TGIF as meaningfully as I am today. For that matter, I don't think I've ever said TGIF. <laughs> oh, God, guys. I have to tell you, I, um, as there's more distance between the slaughter in Squirrel Hill and, um, present time, I find myself less able um, to engage it, in uh, talk about it. Um, I find myself less able to follow the latest I'm looking for the right word. The latest, I can't think of it, disgusting eruptions from that vile man who is President of the United States. I, I, I worry that actually responding to him and to his lies and hate plays into his hands and I'm left with that that same question that I I think I posed weeks ago which is how do how do we take this <coughs> person on and all his aiders and abettors without providing them more oxygen for their constant efforts to inflame. <coughs> I, it's um, their tactic is uh, is a tough one to to counter. There is no doubt they love to inflame, and so when we become inflamed, it buttresses and their base, their base, base. I don't know. I'm, uh, after his uh, despicable appearance yesterday afternoon, which I somehow forced myself to watch in its entirety, I yet again felt this despair of 
how do we respond? I mean, initially it was a big to-do to say he's lying. Do you remember that? I mean, uh, when he first became president, I, it was like uh, they would say, well, the president said, and they would uh, the reporters would just sort of report it, and then somebody might suggest that uh, it seems his facts were a little bit off, and then... And now, media, many media, regularly, after he does one of his verbal farting routines, they they do say, <laughs> that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. He's lying, he's lying, he's lying, he's lying. It hasn't made a bit of difference that I can see. I really don't know how we, what we do. The only thing we can do is, of course, use the power that we have, which is to vote. And our opportunity to do that is almost here. Strangely, in 37 states of this country, the you know, vast majority, people are able to vote before Tuesday, Election Day. 37 states and the District of Columbia allow people more than just that one week day and not even the entire day to vote. Pennsylvania is one of the most restrictive states when it comes to giving we, the people, the opportunity to be heard. In 37 states in the last week or so, millions of our fellow Americans have already voted. There are as many as 28 million votes already cast in this midterm election, which is eye-popping because in some states, the number of votes that have already been cast five days before the election are greater than the entirety of votes cast in the midterm election in those jurisdictions. So we are looking at a huge turnout which should bode well for us. But I think one of the things that we here in Pennsylvania need to do, and it is like number one practically on my list of priorities, is take back Harrisburg. 
that is the only way we're going to be able to join other states in allowing people to vote with fewer encumbrances. My God, even to get an absentee ballot in this state, you have to have excuses. A lot of states don't care to hear why voting on that specific Tuesday is impossible and or difficult for you. They say, oh, okay, well, then fine. Here's a ballot. Send it in. That's not the way it works around here. People have to feign illness. People have to, you know, make up, the, use the same excuses you did as a kid when your homework wasn't done. Uh, it, you're, you're, you're put in a position of prevarication often if voting on Tuesday is difficult. So... A few things I want to say, and no matter what you say these days, uh, there are people who are deeply offended, who are stunned. Um, I want to address uh, something as a um, from a Jewish perspective. The extraordinary vigil of Saturday last, put together within hours by young kids, teenage girls mostly, many unable to vote, unfortunately, was so inspiring and so moving. And then the next, on Sunday, was at times equally, at times even I don't know, uh, but of course, because it was put together by the establishment of uh, the Jewish community, it had, you know, politicians had to speak, and it lacked the sort of bottom-up, heartfelt, sincerity in some ways of Saturday's ad hoc vigil. But there was something that happened at that Sunday vigil which upset me and pulled me out of what its intent was, which was I, to comfort, to allow us to grieve and that was when a representative from Israel's right-wing government spoke. I didn't recognize him but when he was introduced and I heard the name Naftali Bennett I thought Good Lord. <laughs> Naftali Bennett. Uh, 
There was nothing wrong in the words he said. But it's what he represents to me that just was appalling that he stood there. He leads a very right-wing, small, religious party in Israel's government, part of the coalition that Netanyahu has put together. And I have to tell you, the what that party stands for is in so many ways disgusting to me and antithetical to the idea of uh, a good outcome <laughs> for Israel in the Middle East. And Naftali Bennett, after speaking Sunday at uh, Soldiers and Sailors Hall, like our president, unloaded a deluge of tweets and his tweets were intended to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to defend Donald Trump. The vast majority of Jews in this country do not in any way support Donald Trump. The vast majority. Netanyahu and Israel's current government, they love him. Makes sense to me, actually. And Bennett, as part of that government, <coughs> just adores Donald Trump and Jared Kushner. Bennett, uh, by the way, <coughs> in one of his tweets, <coughs> claimed that the Anti-Defamation League um, saying that anti-Semitic uh, incidents in this country had increased by almost 60% since Donald Trump became president, uh, Naftali Bennett said, quote, I'm not sure at all there is a surge in anti-Semitism in America. I'm not sure those are the facts. That is because he's defending Trump. But this is a fellow Jew. And a fellow Jew playing down the increase and the spike in anti-Semitism in this country that is documented, not just by the Anti-Defamation League, by the Southern Poverty Law Center, by the FBI because it's an inconvenient fact. Fake news. 
that that man representing what he represents to so many Jews came Sunday night. I found it so off-putting. And let's uh, acknowledge something else. Um, when Trump came to Squirrel Hill and there was not a local elected official to be seen, you've never seen that before. A president comes, the mayor is not there, the governor's not there. The county executive's not there. Neither U.S. senator is there. By the way, Senator Casey was not even invited. Also, by the way, Congressman Mike Doyle, whose district that is, was not invited by the White House with the president coming. Now, my guess is, is that Congressman Doyle would have said, no, thank you. I believe the community is asking that you stay away. But that he was not invited is amazing. So the president comes. And he's greeted by the rabbi. Remember, a man who had been in the sanctuary <coughs> when the carnage occurred. <coughs> a man who escaped. Stop and think about what Rabbi Jeffrey Meyer's mental state must be. And a lot of people are unhappy at his welcome to the president. I, I understand why he did what he did. He was between a rock and a hard place. But think about the fact that he saw people in his congregation blown to pieces. His instinct was to get the hell out. He did. He survived. I am going to bet you that he struggles with now post-traumatic stress, with guilt, survivor's guilt, and that he has held up publicly as well as he has is to me astounding. That Sunday night at that soldiers and sailors vigil, he could stand up there and speak so eloquently. And in keening that song of grief so better than any words 
embody the wrenching grief and disbelief that we were feeling. I think um, he's been remarkable, and I I feel for him that he had to greet this president. Anybody who has seen uh, anything that Rabbi Myers has written can tell immediately that he is no supporter of Donald Trump or his policies. But so there was the President of the United States. <clears throat> no, none of the people of the communities elected officials there to represent us. Which, by the way, makes me Pittsburgh proud. This traumatized rabbi having to welcome a man who I'm sure he does not like. The only elected official there, actually, I don't know, no, he's not even elected. The only official there was an Israeli official. There wasn't anybody there officially from the United States. I'm looking at a picture of Donald Trump and his wife and his loathsome child and this courageous rabbi. And that's all that's there except one other individual who is the ambassador <coughs> to the United States from Israel. I don't like that he was there. This is Ron Dermer, part of Netanyahu's vile government. I, uh, by the way, the head of the Anti-Defamation League said this about Donald Trump, and I think he's right. He said Trump's not an anti-Semite. He's a demagogue. He, he says whatever needs to be said for him to retain power. And if he has to set a tone that throws a few Jews into the fire or more than a few black people or brown people or immigrants or gay people or trans people. The list goes on and on. So be it. I mean, he's an equal opportunity hater when he needs to hate simply to solidify his power. He's a demagogue. So when somebody says he can't be an anti-Semite because his daughter, his grandchildren are Jews, no, the answer is, yeah, well, he doesn't have to be an anti-Semite. He's a demagogue. 
from the point of view of this Ambassador Dermer <coughs> and Naftali Bennett, who spoke on Sunday, both of those men, I can assure you, love Christian evangelicals in America more than they love the likes of me, a fellow Jew, and more than the vast majority of American Jews because they too care about power. And it's Christian evangelicals who are far more reliable to this Israeli government than Jewish Americans who oppose so much of what that government does. I don't want as an American Jew, as a Squirrel Hill Jew, to be represented <clears throat> in this time by these Israeli members of that hateful Netanyahu government. Another demagogue. Questioning the increase in anti-Semitism since Trump because it doesn't fit their needs. It's despicable. I just had to get that off my chest. And I alluded to Trump's disgusting demagoguery from the White House yesterday afternoon. Stop and think about it. Here is a man who has blown up every norm of presidential behavior in less than two years in office. Never before <coughs> in my memory <coughs> has a president stood with the full attention of all Americans because he has informed all the television networks that he is going to give a policy speech. And so, of course, they all dropped their programming to cover it. That was no policy speech. It was one of his rally speeches. If you've never been to one of his rallies, God bless you. But all he did was use the backdrop of the White House, which belongs to no party, which is the people's house. And he used that to stand there and demonize desperate people to slander them, to lie about other Americans who do not hold his 
hateful views, to lie about Democrats. It was a campaign speech under the cover of being a presidential address. I have never seen that. And what he said in that speech was so... I mean, it, it's, it's, it's chilling. It's frightening. No subtlety. Those were no dog whistles as he stood there in the White House. It was just blatant fear-mongering and racism and, of course, a litany of absolute lies. Because he can't demonize those desperate people without lying, without lying about who they are, without lying about their motivations, without lying about others who have come before them. He said, hey, they come here, they come here, we catch them, and we release them. And we tell them, you show up later for a court date, we catch them, and then we let them go, and we tell them to show up, ha! And then he said, 97% of them don't show up. 97% of them don't show up, said the president from the White House. How do you counter somebody who lies so casually and so harmfully and with such evil intent? The vast majority do show up. He can ask his own government. They show up knowing full well that by doing so, the odds are they will be denied asylum. they still show up. 70 plus percent of them show up and he said 97 percent of them don't. This lying, despicable man. There were so many lies that the reporters afterwards didn't even know where to start. He painted them as like an army of ghouls and vicious killers.
They have injured, he said. They have attacked. And then he said, if they dare to try that, to come into our country, if they throw a rock, we'll shoot them. Never mind, by the way, that that is absolutely in opposition to any of our military's rules of engagement. Never mind that the troops he is sending there by the thousands as a political stunt will probably not even be armed. And if they've got their weapons, they won't have bullets. They're there only as a prop, as a show of force so that the Republicans can hold the Senate of the United States. And using our military in this manner is, again, I words just fail me. He said... None of them are going to get asylum. We are denying asylum to all uh, these undocumented killers, murderers, uh, rapists, and who knows who else. That's an absolute violation of not only American law, but of international law, of treaties that we have signed onto and have agreed to. He said, appealing to those suburban women he's fearful of losing, he said the women are especially terrified by these strong young men willing to attack and rape. Women, our women, our women, our women are most fearful. Women obviously suggesting that American women are now in danger of mass rape if these people enter our country. Women, he said, like to be safe. <sighs> oh, I do, who doesn't like to be safe? But one of the ways we are made safe is with leadership, with proper use and adherence to our laws with respect for other people. And certainly we are not safe with this awful, frightening man in the White House. I 
don't know if I even have the energy to refer to this despicable, racist, lying video that he has put out. I don't know if it was done from within the White House. If it was, that is beyond belief. That means I paid for it. <laughs> you paid for it. This video of this killer, of course, Hispanic, an awful man. And he wants that man to be the face of these desperate men, women, and children walking here thousands of miles for a chance. That's all. And he lies in that, vi that video is a lie as well. Guess who, one of the people who had this guy in custody and let him go. Guess. It's too unbelievable, and it's true. Guess who had this guy in custody and let him go? Joe Arpaio, the Arizona sheriff that is Trump's good buddy, the guy who is a convict himself, who was pardoned by Trump. Arpaio, the tough guy, who supposedly hates all these brown people, Arpaio had him in his jurisdiction, in custody, and somehow he got out. Trump says Democrats let him out. But the thing is, is when we counter all of this with fact, it doesn't move the needle. It doesn't change a damn thing which is why I despair. What are we to do if he and they can lie and race bait? I got to tell you, that video makes the Willie Horton ad look like little Bo Peep. I, this just blatant racist provocation built on nothing but lies. How do we counter that? All the pundits have told us what's going on here. They figure the house is gone, so they've got to double down for the red states to hold their Senate. Because as I have pointed out on many occasions, the Senate is as unrepresentative a body as you can imagine. The majority of the Senate, the Republican majority, represents all, all of 18% of the American population. Those big states, no people in them, and a lot of the people in them are fools, gullible, easily led, sheep, terrified. Home of the brave.
He said in that speech, proudly, that we are right now constructing massive, massive cities of tents. And we're putting these people in them. You know what that is, a massive city of tents? That's a concentration camp, technically. So I haven't even mentioned his saying he's going to end birthright citizenship. Like that, he is going to take out something in our Constitution just like that, I can, I can. Oh, dear. Did you see, he was probably going to make our ambassador to the United Nations. She used to be one of the babes on Fox and Friends. Heather Nort, Nort, I don't know how to pronounce it, expected to be nominated as the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations. She was a Fox News anchor. She was on Fox and Friends, last appeared in 2017 on Fox and Friends, and she was one of the Fox people that the Trump White House plucked. They plucked a lot of them, didn't they? And brought to his White House since it's, you know, Fox, White House under Trump. It's one and the same. So that his communications director is the former right-hand man to Roger Ailes. There are so many people there from Fox and now one of them who has no diplomatic experience at all <laughs> is going to be representing us at the United Nations. Um, I'm not surprised in a million ways, one of them being that when Nikki Haley resigned, he made this disgusting sexist remark about how she had brought, Nikki Haley had brought like some I forget exactly how I put it, some, you know, female whatevers that she's good looking. That I mean, he didn't say that. The intent was saying, man, we had, uh, look what was representing us. And he liked that. He liked a babe. And so he put another babe in. Who needs diplomatic experience? She's a beaut, and she was uh, on Fox and Friends. That is as great a resume as this president needs. All right. I'm sorry. This is my state. I don't know if I, I don't know. Maybe the weekend will, um, will lift me or help me find some 
my voice again. The good news is, is that we're voting on Tuesday. On Monday, I'm going to have um, one of our crack uh, political reporters here, J uh, Ryan Dito, on because he has watched every, I mean, he really knows what's going on in our local political uh, realm. And uh, I want to um, pick his brain. And then the next day, we're going to have a shot to vote. If we take the House, <coughs> which is expected, but then so was the election of Hillary Clinton. If we take the House, uh, that means that all of those House committees will be led by Democrats. And that means that the subpoena power uh, that those committees have will be in the hands of Democrats. And that means that a lot of things that have been covered up by the enablers in the current Republican-dominated House will be aired. One of the things that I think will happen <coughs> very quickly is there will be an effort to get Trump's tax returns. And um, I read a piece today which says quite clearly that the law, and this is a law that's been there for almost a hundred years, the law states, American law says that the leaders of the House Tax Writing Committee have the power to request taxpayer information from the IRS and that law says, quote, the secretary, meaning the treasury secretary, that would be Steve Mnuchin, that the secretary shall furnish such committee with any return or return information specified in such request. So what will happen is the House Tax Writing Committee will be requesting the Treasury to hand over Trump's tax returns. And he has no standing in law not to. And yet, what do you think is going to happen? Rudy Giuliani is already saying, bring it on. He said it would be a struggle for Democrats to prove that they have legitimate oversight and that it would be a heck of a good battle for the president. No, there's just going to be no rest for us. None. None. Okay, let's see. Lou writes, thank you for giving voice to those of us who have no platform. It's important for many people to hear you acknowledge in solidarity our worldview. As despairing as these times are, your energy 
you see energy here? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Your energy keeps us fueled. It's a burden for you, I understand, but there are many of us out there who are feeling just as much stress. Oh, God, I know, stress and frustration. You are not alone, and you let us know we are not alone. Thank you, Lou. I have to tell you, I've been living on hugs. That's a hug. Virtual and and literal. Been living on them. And I'm not alone in that either. Um, Kurt says, I've been thinking of a particular Bible quote from Ezekiel. <clears throat> this is it. Sodom's sins, for which they paid the ultimate price, were, back to the Bible, pride, gluttony, and laziness. That's what they got them for? Pride, gluttony, and laziness? Jeez. While the poor and needy suffered outside her door. Okay. Okay. Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. She was proud. How did Sodom become a female? <laughs> Excuse me. I'm going to get that pronoun out. Sodom was proud <coughs> and committed detestable sins. So I wiped... Sodom out, as you have seen. I don't know what um, translation that is. And Kurt's thinking, proud? That sounds like the nationalists. Gluttony? God knows we are a gluttonous folk. And laziness? Fewer than half of us take the trouble to vote, yet we turn away those willing to walk a thousand miles for a chance at that privilege. Yeah, been thinking of Sodom's sins and how much they reflect our own. Okay, we have a call. Go ahead, caller. Good morning, Lynn, uh, such as it is. Mm -hmm. uh, John from from Greensburg. I'm not mm -hmm. currently in Greensburg. Um, I really can't say what I'd like to say. I, I really can't uh, unleash my uh, actual reaction to the uh, grotesque oath that we have in the White House after his uh, proclamation yesterday that um, which I think was actually an incitement uh, uh, or uh, some sick fantasy of his that uh, some of the refugees might be goaded into throwing stones and then be gunned down. Um, what I'd like to say would likely get me um, investigated and arrested by the FBI. Um, and as we all know, only, you know, has been right-wing uh, guitarists from the Midwest who uh, constantly brag about their, their uh, macho uh, hunting prowess, but, uh, but, you know, but who soiled themselves deliberately in order to avoid service in Vietnam can get away with, with uh, threatening with the making president. statements that yeah. uh, that threaten pres you know presidents yeah. and yeah. presidential candidates. Um, so instead, uh, I'll tell you what uh, 
I'm going to comment on what uh, the stunt that uh, the figuring uh, dominionist idiot that uh, the dimball from Indiana um, pants in the in yeah having a the fake a rabbi yeah yeah a yeah. Christian layman yeah not not a clergy member or uh, a Jew no um, you know yeah. uh, speak uh, for the the Jewish uh, synagogue members who were attending a sh- it was a shoal was it not no i think uh, it was a it was a no it was an elect it was a, a campaign event um, my it was my, a campaign event but as apologies. a nod i guess to um also the candidate was a jew a jewish woman yes yeah <laughs> some um, yeah one of the few jews who uh is, you know uh, is a fellow traveler with these <laughs> sons of bitches but so i you know i um no he uh he was supposed to I mean, be a speak, nod what to what happened here. i mean the, the everything they do is an offense everything they do is a, is a naked provocation uh, everything everything they do um is is you know is an imitation a, a, you know, a dare for for someone to call them out everything Everything they they do is an example of of someone needing to call out that you know the emperor has no clothes that there's nothing more there than what we see, which is buffoonery and in, and ineptitude and boorishness um, and corruption. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, I know. Hey, I got, thank you for that. I, I'm going to let you go because I have another caller to get in, and we have got to end just a little bit early today because Amy's got to get the hell out of here. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Uh, is there a call? another caller? Hello, caller? Yes, I'm here, and don't worry, Amy. I'll keep it short. <laughs> That's uh, good of you. The, thank you. <laughs> You've got a few minutes. You've got a few minutes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, I just wanted to say about the guy who said uh, that he appreciates your platform and that you use it to support us, and we don't, you know, have a platform. I disagree with that. Okay. Might, we might not have a podcast, but we do have a podcast. might not reach as many people as you do, but when that guy's in the line at the grocery store saying something stupid, you podcast. The guy at the bar saying something stupid, you podcast. Your mm. uncle at dinner, you broadcast. Yeah. You keep, yeah, you never give up. You never let him get away with saying stupid stuff. <laughs> if you disagree with him, voice your opinion. Right. You, have, you do have a broadcast. You, you, know, you just can't let it ride. Most <laughs> you people know, do. You know, it. but most people huh? do. Most people do That's because, and I, they lack the courage. They They worry that they don't have the right words or enough information or they're going to upset the apple cart of wherever they are, or that, uh, you know, if it's the guy in the supermarket that he's got a gun, <laughs> you know. People don't. Is, yeah, and now I say, if you're going, if you expect soldiers to put their lives on the line to protect your freedom, you could put, you could put your love on the line <laughs> with your family. You know what I mean? You, could, you have to put something on the line. <laughs> That's, you know, so, yeah, yes. something might happen to you. But it depends, you know, that you put your love, your life, whatever it takes, on the line. Yeah, the guy might have a gun. But <laughs> what's better, you know, uh, 
you know, you getting shot or the country going into, you know, turning into Nazi Germany. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think most people, well, again, I think one of the, you know, I've learned so many truths, all of them hard ones in the last few years, that my people are not as, I guess, capable of uh, courage as I thought, Um, and uh, there are more evil people in this world than I thought, and, you know, all those things we learn that the only thing that it takes for, like, bad, bad, bad people to do bad, bad things is for all the good people to say nothing. And, and here, here's, I just, you know, I was talking to, you know, sissy white liberal yesterday. Mm-hmm. He's doing well, and he says hi, by the way. Okay, thank um, you. And, and he was um, saying basically what you're saying right now. And I said, uh, let me call that white privilege. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because as people of color, this is ah. the par for the course. Okay. <laughs> it's nothing new. Okay. Well, <laughs> then know? we're, we're and that, and that, <laughs> we, so in our white innocence, uh, our eyes are being opened, and uh, we're new to this. Yeah. Well, you know, back when they were using you know racial slurs and. You know, yeah. you're you know you're a woman and yeah. you're Jewish, so you should understand this too. When they're using right. those things now, they just use they just blanket and say, you know, libtard or liberals are this or liberals are that. You know what I mean? No, Democrats are evil. Democrats are, <laughs> Democrats evil. are evil. Democrats are evil. Reporters yeah. are the enemy of the people. Democrats. I mean, my God, yeah. it's just not. No, there's no, uh, yeah, there's no subtlety at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they, they just said Democrats. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much. Yeah, we do. We do. Thank you, Clarence. Bye. Bye. Welcome. Bye. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Um, And thank you all. I think we're going to end this. I appreciate some of the notes. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, we'll all get through this, I guess. God, take Clarence's words to heart, please. We all must find our inner warrior. We really must. We must be smart. We must arm ourselves with truth. And we must be willing to be uncomfortable and say things that we never would have said before. We really need to do that. He's absolutely right. Use your bod cast. Use your voice. Thank you so much. And uh, be back Monday. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.